parenting can be stressful, right? And in the heat of the moment, staying calm feels like a challenge. In today's episode, we're getting real about managing our reactions, exploring compassion, and understanding our needs alongside our children's needs. If that's what you need more of in your life today, you're in the right place. Let's simplify things together. I'm Erin Christopoulos, a mother of two and teacher-turned-mom strategist who puts the pieces of mom life together so you don't have to. I get that you're short on time and don't have the capacity to figure out everything on your own, which is why I'm here, to help you get clear on where to put your focus while protecting your time and energy so you can actually enjoy these years with your little ones. I'm ditching the overwhelming and unrealistic one-size-fits-all tactics and replacing them with an approach that's practical and personal because I believe your family is one of a kind with its own qualities and values that deserve an adaptable approach, offering support and encouragement where you need it most. From honest conversations and mindset shifts to practical tips and sustainable strategies, consider this your customizable guide to mom life. With the tools and resources you need at your fingertips, you'll finally have the confidence and clarity you need to bring more intention and ease to everyday life so that you and your family thrive. This is the Mom Life Handbook. Today we're addressing something that so many of us struggle with. Staying calm under the pressures and demands of parenting. It's not easy, is it? In this episode, we're going to talk about practical, relatable strategies for staying calm. We'll start by understanding our nervous system in a way that's easy to grasp. Then I'll guide you through a deep breathing exercise, which can be a lifesaver during stressful moments. We'll explore the power of compassion, the importance of understanding what both you and your child need, and why it's absolutely necessary to take it. Remember, this isn't about striving for perfection, but about equipping you with the tools to feel more confident and composed in your parenting journey. Because let's be real, you're doing an amazing job already. You just need some strategies to help you navigate through the tough times, which is what this episode offers. So if you're ready to embrace a more peaceful and balanced approach to motherhood, grab your coffee and let's get started. I have to say, I'm recording this episode at a particularly challenging time as a mom. I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. And it's hard to show up as a calm parent when you're tired. It takes so much energy from us to remain calm that when we are at our most tired, it can be really hard to manage our own reactivity as parents. And I just want to say that I need today's episode as a reminder as much as maybe you do as well. Um, It's not easy to show up consistently calm as a parent, because we're humans too, who have our own needs and go through our own highs and lows. And you put that into a dynamic of, you know, a handful of humans in a household who have their own highs and lows and are interacting with one another, it becomes challenging. So just know that um, as we approach this episode today, I'm coming at it from a place of sharing this journey with you. You certainly are not the only one who may find it challenging to stay calm as a parent because I'm right here with you. So I'll talk a little bit as we go through the strategies today about how to remain calm as a parent. I'll share some of the strategies that I found that I have found to work really well for me 
And if you have strategies that have worked really well for you, I want to hear about them. Will you share with me in a DM? Just find me at Mom Life Handbook on Instagram. Let me know what helps you the most to stay calm. I'd love to know what you rely on as your source of finding your center, staying grounded, and staying calm in those moments that are most challenging for us as moms. And I hope that in today's episode, you do find a new strategy that you can just try. You may find it takes you using it a few times before it starts to really click and become something that you rely upon. And if you do find in this episode reassurance that you needed or a strategy that you're like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been needing. Will you please share it with me as a review? I never realized before I started podcasting just how helpful reviews are in helping your show to be seen by new listeners. And I will tell you that just by getting two or three reviews in a week absolutely helps the show shoot up on the charts and be seen by so many new followers. I was actually honestly amazed. There was one week where I had, I think, three reviews come in and we skyrocketed on the charts. And that is so helpful. I will tell you this. I can see how many people would read my blog post, you know, and we have 5 x the number of people every week that are tuning into the podcast versus reading the blog posts. And what it tells me is that the resources and support that I'm creating through the show are reaching more moms who need it in a way that is meaningful to them. So if you could please help out, take a few moments and visit the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever you, wherever you turn in and scroll all the way to the bottom of the show where you can tap how many stars you would rate the show. That's helpful if you don't have a lot of time. But if you have a moment to literally write a one sentence review of Love tuning into the show. Really enjoyed episode 12. Whatever it is, that really makes a difference in helping even more moms find the show, which matters more than anything to me. And I feel like if you have found the show to be helpful, you know how meaningful it can be for other women as well. So thank you for being a part of the Mom Life Handbook community and helping to pay it forward by spreading the word through your reviews. It means so much. Okay, so as we dive in, just remember, we're approaching this from a place of compassion and the mindset that this is about progress, that we have all made parenting choices that we have regrets about. And I had one this morning. We have them and we can have them often. And it's okay because we're still learning. As a teacher, I was very rarely upset or triggered by my students' less than desirable behaviors. It was a lot easier for me to approach it from an outsider's kind of context or point of view. But with my own children, it is very different. You know them so much more deeply and you are connected to them in a way that is so personal. So I really want to start today's episode with just very quickly understanding how our bodies and our systems are built. Because I think that when you start to learn more about yourself and your own processing of emotions, it really helps you to not only stay calmer in moments that are challenging, but it is also helpful in having that self-compassion. So I feel like many of you have probably heard a lot about this either on social media or other podcasts because there's more and more conversation around this, I feel like, in recent years. And 
It relates to our autonomic nervous system. So our autonomic nervous system is something that is innate. It is an instinct and it's how our bodies are built to protect us. So we have these two parts to your autonomic nervous system. We have the sympathetic system that's really responding to perceived threats. And then we have the parasympathetic system, which is helping you stay calm, cool, and collected. Now, if you go back to when our ancestors were surviving in the wilderness, they really had to rely on an effective stress response system so that they could survive. And, you know, fast forward to 2023, at the time of this recording, most of us are not needing to rely on that level of a stress response because our everyday threats to us are not life or death situations. Unfortunately for us, our autonomic nervous system does not know the difference. So when we are thinking about the stress response that's happening in your body, you're really activating a part of your brain that is primal. And that part of your brain is called the amygdala. Some people refer to it as the reptile part of your brain. It is not necessarily a very evolved part of your brain. This is definitely not where you're having your deepest thoughts. This is not where you're level-headed. This is very reactive. The sole purpose of the amygdala is to be like your inner alarm system to say, warning, something's wrong. We've got to respond. So this is where we are taking in information and determining whether there is a threat or whether everything is safe. So our stress response is like this alarm that then sends distress signals to the hypothalamus. This is like your command center in your brain. So it's kind of like the gas pedal that shifts your body into high gear with the gas pedal pressed all the way down. It's when our alarm has been tripped in our sympathetic nervous system that you find it hardest to stay calm as a parent. When your amygdala turns on the alarm, you go into this fight, flight, or freeze response. And it's really prioritizing your protection. If you go into fight mode, you uh, might have high energy, you might use fighting words, you might feel it physically in your body. Flight might be, I want to get away, I want to be alone, you want to shut the world out, or freeze is you're just paralyzed and don't even know how to respond. All of those types of responses are your response to distress signals that are coming from your hypothalamus. And so when that happens, your body is sending out the alert to all of your important systems that are required to help you survive. So you're going to see that your heart rate goes up. You are delivering more blood to the areas where you need more oxygen. You're activating the release of cortisol. Your glucose levels actually spike in your bloodstream and your body even goes into a state where it's activating your fat storage in order to have as much energy as possible. Now, on the flip side to that, we have our parasympathetic nervous system. This is where your amygdala is not activated and you are able to use that real thinking part of your brain and you can tap into strategies that are very logical, non-reactive, they're very responsive, maybe even proactive, which is obviously what we want as parents is to be tapped into our parasympathetic nervous system. This is the state of quiet rest and digest. This is like your system's break. And this is what calms your system down after perceived danger has passed. So this is where your body is going to now try to recoup the energy that it's used up 
It's actually going to resume your digestion because believe it or not, when your blood has to go to other parts of your body, it leaves your digestive tract. That's why a lot of times you'll have like GI distress when you're really upset. It's because your whole GI tract will actually shut down when you're in a fight, flight, or freeze response. So if you're finding it hard to stay calm as a parent, I want you to start observing and considering which part of your autonomic nervous system is activated. Are you operating from your parasympathetic nervous system or your sympathetic nervous system, which is on high alert? You're going to find that chronic stress can really impact your overall health and well-being. And that's because when you think about what's actually happening in your body when you are activated and you're in this fight, flight, or freeze response day in and day out, it's hard for your body to be in that place of rest and digest, to have a chance to recover, to have a chance to be calm and responsive. And that really will take a toll on you. And slowly but surely will also deteriorate your ability to stay calm as a parent day in and day out. So I really want to highlight the importance of recognizing and managing stress in order to have effective parenting skills. So I hope that you take this from a place of, again, self-compassion, discovering a part of yourself that you haven't really considered, right? It's really easy to beat ourselves up. Why am I so reactive? Why can't I be more patient with my kid? I think, to social media places a lot of emphasis on gentle parenting, and it really creates this perception that, the best parents are all calm parents, and I'm not sure that that's necessarily a realistic picture that we should be comparing ourselves against. I think what we need to start thinking about is the sentiment behind being a calm parent, the sentiment behind gentle parenting, which is to have the intention to be as respectful and responsive and supportive to our kids when the moments when they need it most when their sympathetic nervous system has been triggered. And it's hard for us to do that, though, when we are also debated. So I want you to really think less on I'm not a good parent when I am activated. It's more about how can I start to recognize this in myself and how can I really bring in some tools and strategies to get me to a place where I'm operating from the parasympathetic nervous system more often so that I can be more consistently calm and responsive. That's what this is really about. I recently read an article from parents that shared signs that your family is too stressed. And I thought that this was just a great little list. So I thought I'd share here. I'll link it in the show notes as well. Um, just to kind of highlight some of the common signs of stress that maybe you're overlooking. So if these resonate with you, it could be your cue of, okay, maybe I am more stressed than I realize. Maybe I am um, taxing my system more than I was aware of. So you might have trouble sleeping. So whether it's that you can't sleep because your thoughts are keeping you up at night or you're dealing with insomnia or you have a child that's waking you up, it doesn't really matter the cause. It really will take a toll on your system. If you notice that you're yelling at each other more, you've cut down on that quality family time together. Um, maybe that's cut down on family dinners or time to play games together. And by the way, if that's something that's been on your mind, I did do an episode on how to incorporate quality family time into your everyday routines so that it's just a part of your lifestyle. I'll link that in the show notes for you as well. Um, but that can really be a sign that if you start to kind of disengage and pull away and you're not having that collective time as a family, it can be a sign that you're really stressed. Um, your child is withdrawing. You may find that they kind of want to go off on their own and detach from the rest of the family because they're picking up on that stress. Everyone is sick. I know, especially the summer, 
in the winter can be times where there's a lot of sickness in the household. If you are frequently under stress and your body is activated, it's hard for your immune system to keep up. And it's going to make you more vulnerable to coming down with illnesses. So if you feel like you're chronically sick in your household, it could be a sign that everyone's a little stressed. If you're struggling at work or running your own business, you might be run down from all the stress and it can be really hard to show up for the other demands in your life because things are so stressed at home. Or maybe you and the kids are running around all the time. You don't slow down and it's always go, go, go. Effective parenting happens most often when our bodies are relying on the parasympathetic system. So if you notice that some of these signs of stress are present in your home environment, or you've maybe noticed that it is hard for you to parent from a place of calm. You know those moments when you just wish there was a manual to help you connect more deeply with your kids? Well, I've got something pretty close. Introducing the Connection Guide for Moms. This guide isn't your average parenting resource. It's an actionable, tangible toolkit designed specifically with busy moms like you in mind. Inside, you'll learn about five different types of connections that work together to nurture the trust and quality relationship you crave with your children. You'll get ideas for intentional connections tailored to support your child's unique needs and reflection prompts to assist you as you implement these ideas, making the process feel more personal and less overwhelming. And here's the best part. It's not just about the strategies. This guide is designed to help you feel supported, understood, and empowered. Imagine you won't just be going through the motions. You'll be building meaningful connections with your child and creating an atmosphere of love, trust, and mutual respect in your home. So if you're ready to transform your relationship with your child and create lasting, meaningful connections, head over to momlifehandbook.com slash connection guide to download your free connection guide for moms. I want us to talk through five strategies that can be really practical and really helpful in helping you come out of this stress response state and bring yourself back into your parasympathetic system before you try to respond to your child's behavior. I think that that's so important. It's very hard when both you and your child are in a state of alarm or a state of stress. You're not going to feel effective as a parent in those moments. So it is okay to give yourself space to say, I need to take care of my system before I can help you take care of yours. It's honestly, it's so cliche. It is like that the oxygen mask that they all talk about, you know, you got to take care of yourself before everyone else on the airplane, put your oxygen mask on before your child's. I mean, it truly is that because here's the thing. If you are regulated, your child can co-regulate with you. Their bodies will actually attune to yours. So it's really important that you take care of yourself first. It's not irresponsible at all. It's actually one of the most responsible things you can do. It's teaching your system, though, that it's okay to do that. That takes some time. So don't be surprised if you start to notice that you've got the thoughts of, hold on, I'm activated. I need to calm down. But you may find that you're so activated that it's hard to pull yourself out of that. That will take time. It's taken me years, um, but I'm getting there and it feels much better. So just know that it's a journey. All right. So let's talk about some quick things you can do. So honestly, one of my favorites is deep breathing. It's something you can do anywhere. It's something that your kids can do with you. 
Um, you may even find that as you start doing it, they will just start doing it along with you. Again, it's that idea of co-regulation. And um, you can go on YouTube and just search deep breathing exercises. I really like the Calm app or the Headspace app. Those are great too. But just even some simple ones are taking the breath out of your chest and into your diaphragm which is right where your ribs meet, um, right above your, right where your stomach is. So your diaphragm is there and that's where you actually are supposed to be breathing. So you're going to find that when you are activated and you are in your sympathetic nervous system, that your breath will get shorter. And so what you want to do is slow everything down. So you're going to breathe in through your nose and I'll do it with you right now. Breathe in through your nose, breathe out through your mouth. And as you do that, your belly should rise, not your chest. Try it again. Breathe in through your nose, breathe out through your mouth. Another quick one that I like is box breathing. This is actually one that Theo wanted to do before bed last night, and I was really surprised, to be honest. It's funny. I try to teach him these strategies and Stella these strategies, and a lot of times when someone's activated, they don't want you telling them that they need these strategies. So you got to try them when they're calm and they're in their thinking brain, their pathetic system is turned on. That's when you want to try to teach these strategies. And eventually when they are really activated, they will start to tap into those because their bodies learned them. So just last night, Theo was like, my body has so much energy and I can't fall asleep. Can you help me do some breathing? And I was just like bursting with excitement to do that with him because it was the first time in nine years that he has asked me to do it, but he's learning, right? And that's a lifelong skill that he'll be able to tap into. So really don't hesitate to model this for your kids or to teach it to them when they're calm. So box breathing really slows down your breath. So um, think of it as your finger tracing along the top of a square for four seconds as you breathe in through your nose. One, two, three, four. And then you hold your breath for one, two, three, four. And as you do that, you can imagine your finger tracing down the side of the box. And then we're going to retrace our step along the bottom of the box for four as you breathe out. One, two, three, four. And then hold your breath for four seconds as you trace up the box side. One, two, three, four. Breathe in through your nose. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Breathe out. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. You don't want to do that for too long, maybe five or six times max. You're going to find that it takes a lot to really focus on that breathing and that helps redirect your attention away from whatever has really triggered your alarm and allows you to really focus on something different that is going to calm your body down and you can come out of that pretty quickly. So deep breathing is really going to help you regulate and calm that nervous system and reduce your stress almost immediately. So go ahead and give that a try at any moment that you feel like you need it. And it's okay to say to your kids, you know what? I know that I need a moment to calm my body down. Wow. What an incredible example to your kid of what you can do instead of reacting and going over the top and, you know, yelling or storming off, you know, unhealthy reactions that are, again, innate and in, in hardwired into our body, right? We've learned that this is how we survive, right? but we know there are better ways to do it. What a great example to show your kids like, oh, this is a better option, right? So try that regularly when you're calm and try that regularly then when you are also activated. You're going to find that the more you practice it, the more natural it becomes to tap into that strategy. Something else that's taken me a long time to really learn as a parent is to choose compassion over teaching. This is something that 
Jason has really helped me learn to recognize in myself. I have a tendency to want to teach a lesson in the moment when my child is upset and when I'm upset rather than showing compassion. I want us to start thinking about how we can be more compassionate to ourselves when we're in a state of fight, flight, or freeze, or when our child is in that state as well. Those are really challenging moments. We don't need someone, whether it's telling it to ourselves or our kid doesn't need to hear it from us. The moments of, I told you so, or what were you thinking? You should know better. That just brings up feelings of shame, which is only adding fuel to the fire. So I want us to think about in those moments, what do we need in order to foster a closer bond or more mutual respect selves and with our children. Having compassion toward yourself can help really relieve those feelings of guilt or inadequacy as a parent. It's okay to say we're human. We have these human responses. Also, trying to teach in these moments when we're activated and we are not in our parasympathetic nervous system, where we are acting from our amygdala, that reptile brain, those words are falling on deaf ears. So if you're trying to teach our children in the moment when everyone's activated, it's not going to be productive. So instead, choosing how can I show compassion in this moment when someone is having a hard time will go so far because that's what we all are looking for when we're having a tough time. I know that if someone's going to say, what's the matter with you to me when I'm upset versus, hey, what's wrong? I'm going to appreciate that compassion so much more than someone shaming me or putting me down. and. Yes, it's our job as parents to teach also about how our behavior can impact outcomes. But when we are activated, it's not the time for the teaching. That comes later when everyone's calm and able to operate better from a place of thinking as opposed to reactivity. The next strategy is to ask yourself, what do I need? And what does, what does my child need? I want you to start really focusing on self-reflection to identify your own needs and your child's needs in these tricky moments because that will help you show up more compassionately and be able to really create trust between yourself and your child, which is ultimately the most important foundation you can create in your relationship. You need that trust. You need to know that each of you are safe in your hardest moments with each other. So if you can just take a moment to say, what does my child need right now? Even if they're melting down, they're screaming and you've tried everything. What do they need right now? What does their body need? What does their nervous system need right now? And what do I need right now? Maybe I need a break. Maybe I need a sip of water. Maybe I need to do some deep breathing. Think about what would be helpful in this moment rather than what would be hurtful or harmful or ineffective right? I know I had a real tough moment this morning and I just said, I can't talk right now. We'll talk about this later. I need some time for me. And I spent a good 20 minutes just thinking, a lot of thinking. And then what did I do? I gave myself an hour before we even came back full circle to talking about what had happened. And not in silence, not cold shoulder, but just I needed to give myself space from the situation before I could go back to it with my child. And that was okay. We were able to have a much more productive conversation and resolution to that problem as a result. And that brings me to our next strategy, which is to take a break. You really are able to give yourself a break. Now, I think that it's really important to acknowledge that this isn't, again, um, giving your child the cold shoulder. This is not isolating them. Creating that um, sense of isolation can be really harmful in a relationship. 
it can really undermine the trust in the relationship between you and your child because your child has to know that you are a safe place for them to learn how to regulate their own nervous system and manage feelings. It's tricky when we have big emotions to get it right all of the time. And our children need to know that it's okay for them to have a hard time and that we're going to be there for them when they're having the hard time and to help them learn how to manage those emotions and tolerate those big feelings together. So when we talk about taking a break, we are not talking about time out. We are not talking about putting your child alone in their room. What we are talking about is just stepping away and saying, mom's upset right now. I need a moment. Calmly. It's not, you made me angry. I'm walking away and I need time to myself. It's just, let me go get a sip of water. I'll be back. Or, hey, I have to go change the laundry. I'll be back in a minute. You don't even have to relate it to the situation. It could just be, I'm stepping away. I'll be back. And it's also okay if you want to create a calm corner in some part of your home where your child can choose to go to calm themselves down. You know, you could even say, do you want to go sit in the calm corner together? A lot of common things that people keep in calm corners in a classroom would be like, um, you know, those wands with glitter and liquid in them and the, the glitter can float from one end to the other as you tip it or a pinwheel that they can blow on or a chart with pictures of that they can point to to show how they're feeling. Or maybe their favorite stuffy that they could cuddle. You want to create, again, a supportive environment where your child knows it's safe for them to take a break. Again, it's not a consequence in isolating anyone. It's all about if you need a break, it's okay to take one and create a culture around that as opposed to isolation and giving our family the cold shoulder. Because at the end of the day, that's unproductive. And we want to be demonstrating healthier ways of taking a break. And I think too, it goes without saying, but it's worth mentioning here, taking a break can also happen proactively. It doesn't have to happen from a place of reaction. Start carving out some me time for yourself that's going to help you relieve some of your stress, whether that's you're working out or you just have a quiet moment to yourself at a certain part in the day. Whatever it is, carve out your me time to take that break so that you can regulate your system before you get to these points where you feel like you're at a tipping point, you're going to be activated, you're going to be reactive. Let's do what we can to be proactive as well. I also want you to reflect on your triggers. That's another really helpful strategy for me. It took me a really hard time to realize that something that's really triggering for me, and I still haven't figured out why, is um, knowing that we're going to be late, which is funny because I am not always on time. I'm the first to admit that. And honestly, like Jason is on time. He's early. He's great about that. I am not. I'm often running late, but I don't think it's because of me per se. It's usually because we don't have a good system in place for getting the whole family moving and out of the door on time. Um, so I know there are areas for growth there. But being against the clock, for example, on the way to school, if the kids are late, the kids are late. That stresses me out. And that can really trigger me where I feel out of control because now the circumstances aren't in my control, beyond my control. That's activating to me. So think about what is triggering your stress response and your reactions so that you can really start to know your own personal triggers and start to do what you can to be proactive in avoiding those triggers. So like right now with me, with the time, something I've noticed is, well, I haven't taught my kids enough about how to manage their own time. 
So it's always mom managing everyone's time, and that's ineffective. So if that's upsetting to me, what systems aren't in place that should be? So now we're working in the summer before the school year starts with a strategy that's going to help them learn how to keep track of their own time and know what they need to do so that when the school year starts, they've already got a routine in place, right? Right now, getting out the door to camp, it doesn't matter as much. It's not as consequential. So I'm playing the long game here. I've got two months for the kids to develop the skill before we're back at school. So start thinking about if you notice a pattern of when you are personally triggered, can be really helpful to then start thinking about, well, okay, if that's upsetting to me, why? Um, and then what can I do differently to either think about this differently or approach the problem differently so that we're minimizing what's really getting me activated here? Affirmations are a great way of doing that. Um, reflection journaling, those are great ways to kind of unpack your feelings around these triggers. Also, what are your child's triggers? They're going to have things that really set them off too. We all have that. So I'm not talking about avoiding the triggers for them, but how can you help them tolerate situations that are really upsetting to them um, related to time? I know that one of my kids had a play date coming up and I knew roughly when the mom was coming to pick them up, but I didn't know exactly. And my child, much like their father, likes to be on time. And I had to have a conversation around, just so you know, there are some things where it really matters that we are on time, like for a doctor's appointment, right? We have to be there on time. If we're not on time, we might lose our appointment. We might have to pay a late fee or we've been inconsiderate to the doctor and now they can't leave work on time. They're going to have to stay late and the rest of their appointments are going to be late too. So it's really important that we are on time. School, we got to be on time, right? There are other circumstances where our time can be flexible, like a play date. It's okay if that doesn't happen right at 12 noon, right? It could happen at 12.05, 12.10, thing else going on. It's okay. So teaching them flexibility and recognizing situations where it's okay for their nervous system to kind of go into this alert response and when it's okay to be like, it's all right. I know that it might bother me a little, but I can tolerate that, right? So reflect on those triggers for yourself and for your child, and it's going to help you start being more proactive and also more supportive and responsive in the moment because you're going to notice like, ah, I know what's at play here. So there we have it. We have five strategies to help you be a calmer parent. We've looked at the importance of understanding our own reactions, deep breathing techniques, choosing compassion the importance of taking a break. And as busy moms, it's easy to forget that our own well-being directly impacts the kind of parents that we are. So make sure in your parenting that you are parenting yourself as much as you are your children. Today, we learned that understanding our nervous system and how it reacts to stress gives us a head start in managing our reactions. We can better navigate the chaos with this knowledge and remember that deep breathing is a quick, effective way to regain calm and composure amidst the busyness of mom life. Try it the next time that you feel overwhelmed. It can be a game changer. And choose compassion over teaching in tense moments because it won't only alleviate the immediate stress, but also nurture our relationship with our kids. And always ask yourself, what do I need? What does my child need? This question allows us to respond with empathy and wisdom and tap into our thinking brain, which allows us to create more peaceful, compassionate interactions. And never underestimate the power of a meaningful break. It isn't a luxury. It's a necessary component of being an effective, calm parent. So take that break when you need it. It's not only okay, but absolutely necessary. If you have found 
any of these strategies or insights helpful today, please visit the show in Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom, and leave a review. Thank you in advance for paying it forward by taking those 30 seconds to share your thoughts as a review so that more moms like you can be a part of this community as well. And as we close out this episode, remember you're doing great. The fact that you're here learning and growing shows your commitment to being the best mom you can be. And that is more than enough. Remember, mom life is complex, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Here's to leading with purpose and intention as you simplify mom life in the week ahead. You've just finished another episode of the Mom Life Handbook podcast. Remember to check out the episode description for all the important links and highlights from today's show. While you're there, tap the subscribe button so that new episodes are always at your fingertips. Before you go, I'd really appreciate hearing your thoughts about the show. It takes as little as 30 seconds to leave a review and your honest thoughts help me create a better show and help other moms discover it too. And if this episode really helped you out, go ahead and hit the share button to text it to a friend or share it on social media. You never know who in your life might benefit from a little extra support. Don't forget, there are lots of ways to stay connected beyond the podcast. Head over to momlifehandbook.com for additional resources or to learn about how to work with me. And be sure to follow along on Instagram at momlifehandbook. Send me a DM to say hey or to share your thoughts on today's episode. Connecting with you personally is what I really love most. And just in case you need to hear it today, you're doing an incredible job. I know it doesn't always feel like it, but you're here learning how to be better and do better. Keep working to bring more intention and ease into your life and know that I'm right here cheering you on. You're creating a beautiful journey for you and your family. I am so proud of you.